the title of the message this morning is Why? Why? You know, and probably with a, many of you, different thoughts might come to your mind as, well, what's that about, you know? Uh, well, we're going to see that in just a minute because it's actually a biblical question. It's a biblical topic. And, and, I, and I think it's going to help us because uh, as I was stirred in my heart about this particular chapter, uh, I really felt like it was one for today. You know how sometimes the Lord might bring a scripture to you personally when you're reading the scriptures and all of a sudden one jumps out and it ministers to you or maybe you're not doing well and somebody shoots you a text with a scripture on it and it just hits home and it just, it just it sets you free. It's awesome. The Bible can do that. And uh, I think that's what this is this morning is that the scriptures are going to help us with right where we're at in this day that we're living, and believe me, if you haven't recognized yet that we do need help, <laughs> let me just tell you, we need help. <laughs> but as we sang this morning, we serve uh, the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings, and He's an Almighty God, and He's not going to let us down. But I believe we need to secure ourselves in it. So uh, there's a scripture. Can you pull up that first scripture? Uh, I, I didn't have it here in front of me, but if you could pull that up. I felt like uh, for, uh, for us, and this is random, maybe doesn't even relate to the message this morning, so you might get two for one today. Who knows? You know, this could be a great deal for you. But it says, the blind guides who strain out the gnats and swallow a camel. And, and, and he's, he's dealing with uh, the people, and he's saying, hey, listen, you guys are focused on the wrong thing. <laughs> You're racing after all of this news and that news and this thing and that thing, and you're missing the real thing. And I, and I feel like this morning, he, he wants to make sure that our focus and our, uh, maybe even our, uh, our faith, maybe even uh, our security is coming from the right resource, because okay? if you continue to feed on a certain thing all the time, that's what's going to be strengthened. And so if all I am focusing on, just to bring it real home to us, if all I'm focusing on is the news media, then guess what? That's going to affect the way I feel and it's going to affect the way I act and, and, and everything else. And uh, much of the news, as I, I, as I don't need to say to you, is very contrary to the scripture. It doesn't, he doesn't start the thing by saying, hey, listen, this evening news, we're going to bring faith to you. <laughs> okay? No, but by the time it's done, you're like, oh my goodness, I, this is a crazy, look how crazy it is out there. And, and, and however much of it's true or not true doesn't matter. It's if I'm continuing to listen to that. And I, and I feel like if we're not careful, as the scripture says, that again, we could be straining at the gnats letting the camels go by, and we'll find ourselves as the people of God, uh, weak, maybe even fearful, and maybe out of tune of hearing what we have talked about the last few weeks about how the Holy Spirit has a voice and wants to speak to you. And if you're so filled with other things, uh, your brain has this uh, propensity to filter it based on the filter that you build in it. And, and, and one of the pictures that we did before was if it, when you buy a brand new car, because you've probably researched that car and researched that car and finally decided that's the one I'm going to get, and you buy it, then all of a sudden it looks like, wow, everybody's as wise as me. They're all over town now. 
You know? And why? Because that's how your brain filters stuff based on what you've researched and what you've listened to. And if we're not careful, if we listen to only the news, or maybe I'll bring it right down to earth, if I listen to more news than I read my Bible, guess what might potentially happen in terms of my influence, my understanding, or even my hearing what the Holy Spirit's trying to say to me? And, and there's a huge emphasis in the Bible all the way from the Old Testament to the New about us having ears to hear what the Spirit is saying. And so I hope today that I can maybe bring some stuff to us. We're going to look at Psalms chapter 2. We're going to kind of walk through that. So if you want to pull that up, and it will be up on the uh, screen also as we walk through it. Uh, the, the Psalms is an amazing book. I, most people love the Psalms. They love just to open it and just start reading it and so forth. And if you were to look at it, and oftentimes books of the Bible and chapters in the Bible have kind of a theme or they have an outline or they have an influence, like there might be what you call a key scripture in a chapter. And all of a sudden it's that scripture that is key to that entire, unlocking that entire thing. Well, that's what Psalms chapter 1 and Psalms chapter 2 are. They're the key to the entire book of Psalms. And so as you begin to understand what Psalms 1 and 2 uh, uh, is saying, then all of a sudden the rest of the book will begin to open to you as you read it. And I hope that that happens today. And we're not going to go through one, but if you look at it, Psalms chapter 1 focuses on the individual. You know, it says if you walk after, you know, sinners and sit in the seat of the scornful, and it's very individual-oriented. It points you to individuals, points to you. But then when you jump to the next one, the focus all of a sudden changes to the nations. And, and, and yes, God's interested and concerned about the individual person, but guess what? He's also very concerned about the nations. The entire Bible's filled with that. The nations, the nations, the nations. Remember the nation of Israel, the nation of Judah. He's very concerned about the nations. Yes, he's concerned about the individual, but he's concerned about the nations. And, and, and he calls us, once we become secure in our salvation through Jesus Christ and him alone... Once we become secure ourselves, then he says, now stop being self-centered and self-focused. Let's consider the nations. And we're going to see how this comes into play through Psalms chapter 2. And maybe, uh, hopefully this morning for the first time, you be, begin to understand that, wow, as the people of God, as the church of God, we are essential. We're not only essential, but we are critical on the earth. Come on, we are. The, 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 we should have all been upset when they called the the bars okay and the church is non-essential. That should have offended you. Come on, think about it. I mean, <laughs> that's really what they did. It's just shut it down, you know. And again, we mentioned during prayer this morning is, you know, California. Now they're just trying to say, hey, you can't sing either. And you can't worship either. And, and, and uh, uh, I, I, I just, just a side note, doesn't have anything to do with my message. <laughs> They're going to push it too far. Okay? The Bible talks about what happens when we push it too far. Actually, we will talk about it, I guess. We can't get around it, I guess, when we look at this psalm here. But when we look at the New Testament, uh, 
if there's one thing that they do understand about this particular psalm, chapter 2, is what they do understand about it is that there's going to be a global kingship of Jesus Christ on the earth. Okay, I know. Is this on, Ivan? There's going to be a global kingship of Jesus Christ. That should thrill us all. I mean, it's hard to imagine, I know. And there's not a lot of emphasis put, I know, because it's hard to imagine. But can I just tell you, he said in his very most important and first prayer, what did he ask you to pray? Anybody know? Right there. Thy kingdom hide. <laughs> no, it's thy kingdom come. Where? On earth. This is earth. This is terra firma. I think thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. What does that look like? What does that mean? That's hard for me to wrap my head around sometimes because of the condition of the earth. But guess what? If he said it, that settles it. I don't even have to believe it. I know the old saying used to be, he said it, I believe it, that settles it. No, he said it, that settles it. It really doesn't matter what you believe about what he says. I'm not, just, 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 just there. And so this was in even the New Testament believers' understanding that there was going to be a global kingship that takes place and, 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 and on the earth. Acts chapter 4 quotes this. Acts chapter 4, verse 25 and 26 says this here. By the mouth of your servant David has said, and, and now he's going to quote Psalms. This is Acts. He's going to quote this psalm that we're about to read. Why did the nations rage? Why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against what? The Lord and against his Christ. So he's, he's drawing right from this psalm that we're about to read from in just a moment. Acts chapter 13 and verse 33. God has fulfilled, fulfilled all this for us, their children, in that he has raised up Jesus, as it is also written in the second psalm, you are my son, today I have begotten you. And so he's quoting out of that. And so as they read that, they understood that something amazing was going to happen. This particular psalm, chapter 2, and we will read through the whole thing in just a moment, uh, piece by piece, is broken down into four particular topics. It's got four stages. The first one deals with the rage of the nations. The second one deals with the laughter of God. How many know God does laugh? You, you make him laugh sometimes. <laughs> sometimes he laughs at you too. He just kind of looks down and sees what you're trying to do on your own, and, and he just kind of chuckles. Have you ever done that with your children if you have children? You just kind of chuckle at them. And then the third part of it is that we'll be talking a bit about the reign of the king, and then the fourth part, the act of grace, the act of grace. So let's just start with a word of prayer over the word, over our minds, over our spirit, and let's jump into this. I really believe you're going to walk away from this differently if you'll hear what the Scriptures have to say to you. And I think we're going to have to have this in the day that uh, not only we're in, but we're headed. So, Father, thank you this morning that the Word of God is powerful and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's able to give us understanding and, Lord, divide things inside of us, separate things that are not right in our thinking with what is right in your Word. 
And God, we just put our whole trust in you and in your word and your spirit this morning to teach us. In Jesus' name, amen. So the first part is uh, Psalms chapter 2. If you have your Bibles there, or again, it will be up on the, up on the screen. Uh, the first part is verses 1 to 3. 1 to 3. And it, it talks about the rage of the nations, uh, the rebellion and the revolting that's toward God and his anointed. Now let's, let's listen, to, listen to what he says. Why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing or an empty thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against who? Against the Lord and against his anointed. The anointed there is capitalized because he's not necessarily talking about you and I. He's talking about Jesus Christ himself. He's the anointed one. The anointed one uh, is, uh, is Jesus Christ himself. And, and, and let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. And so here he says the people are setting up themselves against us, and now they're saying to us, we need to break ourselves away from God and the anointed. We need to break it away. We need to get rid of those chains and those bonds that, that are put upon us. And, and, and we know that if we look at this in the natural, the first element that you would see is that the Israel was being surrounded by what the Gentile nations. Now, now think about America and what we're surrounded by right now and what seems to be increasing. So this is their setting. They were sitting there and all the kings and everybody else were raging against them and they were mad about it. So we got to break this thing up. Why? Because it's stopping them from fulfilling their own will. Now, come on, we got to think about this. But in, in reality, that's what they were saying. So this is what God's going to address in just a moment here. And, 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 and it's time for us to, as the, the people of God, the Bible says that the old was written so that we might have understanding. So I'm hoping our understanding opens up this morning, uh, and, and God's, we see something that maybe we haven't seen before. Uh, because when you look at the Old Testament, the whole Old Testament has to do with bringing about the redemption of mankind. That's, that's God's sole purpose. It's been from the beginning, from the garden, when we rejected God and we went against his will. He's been on a journey to bring people back to him to redeem mankind. I think it's totally amazing. And, and, uh, and, and yet, at the same time that he's been trying to do that, what has mankind been doing? We've been rejecting him, and we've been pushing him away, and we've been trying to drive him out of our schools, and drive him out of our nation, and drive him out of our lives. That's what we've, the, the whole world has been doing that. Now listen to what he says, and, and, and this has helped me through the research of this again to realize, man, I don't want to forget about my salvation. I'm with God. I'm born again with Jesus Christ because he pursued me. I was not pursuing him. And he pursued me, and, and when I finally responded to that, he saved me. That's amazing. Now listen to John chapter 1. I just, I, I don't know, I hope these fit a little bit with you this morning, but I just thought they were worth hearing again. It says, he came to his own, and his own did not receive him. This is what we just read in the Psalms. Hey, we're, we're getting rid of him. We, we, we don't want, we're going to cast ourselves free of this whole thing called God. The New Living Translation says it this way, he came to his own people and even they rejected him. 
John chapter 3 and verse 19. And the judgment is based on the fact God's light came into the world, but the people loved darkness more than light, for their actions were evil. John chapter 3 and verse 20. All who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it. Why? Because for fear that their sins will be exposed. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 21. And you who were once alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled. And the New Living Translation puts it this way. Uh, This includes you who were once far away from God. You were his enemies separated from him by your evil thoughts and your actions. One last verse here. Uh, out of Colossians 1.22. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. And as a result, he has brought you into his own presence. And you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. Wow. Wow. You know you better than I know you. But that has to hit you like it should hit every one of us. You know you. And yet God so loved you. The Bible says he so loved the world that he sent his son. He came after us. And even in my most rebellious place, he comes after me. Psalms chapter 2 and verse 2 here, as we move on through the psalm. The king of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and his anointed. You see, I I want you to see this morning that history is not just about nation against nation, okay? But it's actually about humanity against God. Humanity against against God. And it doesn't take much to read through the scriptures to begin to see that pattern of God saving mankind. And and then before you know it, we're rebelling against him. We're trying to kick him out. We're trying to set up our idols. We're trying to set up what we want. And he comes and rescues us again just before we're about to be annihilated or annihilate ourselves. And he sets us back up and he sends a revival. The whole, our whole history, we can find God's continually pursuing mankind. The warfare is literally not from nation to nation, but it's from humanity against God. And that's where it says here, the the kings have set themselves against the Lord and against his anointed. The the, the word anointed there is Meshaha, which actually means Messiah or Messianic Prince. That's the Hebrew, the Old Testament. The, 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 The Greek form of that is Christos which means Christ, and, 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 and it's where we get our English word, the Messiah. And, and, and so he's referring here now in the Psalms that they're trying to set themselves against Christ. Verse, chapter, uh, uh, verse 3, listen to the heart of the people. Let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. In other words, they want to be completely free to lead their own lives. And and as I was reading this, I was just meditating and saying, Lord, how does that really apply to us? And, you know, I would say probably most of you that I know are pretty good Christians. 
you're pretty good people. You're in general wouldn't be considered, you know, a rebel as we probably would define a rebel. But uh, what I'm seeing here, though, is a deeper thing. God's saying, no, you were all against me. Remember, we just read all those scriptures. None of you would have sought the Lord if he wouldn't have pursued you. And, 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 and he said, Isaiah said, your righteousness, your best you is just like filthy rags. And so we see this thing where all of a sudden he's, he, we're, we're, we, we want to break ourselves free of that. And I thought, Lord, I, I think there's a couple of things in Scripture that's very dominant. And one of those is obedience. Matter of fact, he says obedience is better than sacrifice. How obedient am I? And I believe that that obedience starts with what's the Word of God and the Holy Spirit say to you. And how well am I adhering to that or have I picked and pick and choose, choose what I want to obey and not obey. And we have this unfortunate propensity to just kind of do that. I just lean over. I'm a pretty good guy, you know. I'm just going to lean over here, though. I'm not going to listen to that scripture. I don't want to hear that one. And, and, and I'm just saying today, he's wanting to pull us away from that type of mindset and mentality completely because he's coming back for that church. Remember we mentioned a week or so ago, he's coming back for this church that's without spot or wrinkle. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and so he's saying, now I'm teaching you. I'm trying to bring you into this thing. And, and, and so he wants to get rid of all rebellion in our lives. Colossians chapter 1, verse 21. It says, it, this, this includes you who were once far away from God. You were enemies separated from him by what? Your evil thoughts and actions. And so when you think about it, what about your thoughts and what about your actions? Because those are just as important as your actions is your thoughts. And I know we don't like to think about that because we have reasons. Oh, it's just a thought, but it's nothing worse than that. No, God's interested in your thoughts because your thoughts will always lead to actions if you don't do something with them. And oftentimes we don't realize that. And, and, it, and, it, and, it, and we trip later and we don't realize that, uh, but it's important that we do that. Now, that's verse 3. Let's move now to uh, Isaiah chapter 38 and verse 17. Indeed, it was for my own peace that I had great bitterness, but you have lovingly delivered my soul from the pit of corruption, for you have cast all my sins behind your back. So he's just kind of just maybe reading a few hearts here. He's saying, hey, this is, this is kind of where you're really at. Let's not act like we're too good or that we're good enough but let's see if the Lord will take us the whole way. And, and, and I believe if we could really understand um, what the Scripture has delivered us from, we really understand that he dug you out of a pit, he pursued you when you were rebelling against him, that everything about you should begin to change. Your worship should change, right? The Bible says for, who's forgiven much is, you know, much more grateful. And, but see, if I don't think I've been forgiven of much, because I think I'm okay, I was always okay, I certainly wasn't bad as so-and-so or cousin so-and-so, okay, then that, that, that will diminish my ability to be completely free to worship God in the fashion that he wants to be worshiped in. And he doesn't want to be worshiped because he's egotistic. He just knows that whatever you worship you will become like. And I don't have time to go into that, but that's a principle in Scripture. 
And so however I worship and even how fervent I worship will determine what I become like. You delivered my soul from the pit of corruption. And he's just pulling us up here. He's saying, hey, I, 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 I want you to understand what you've really been delivered from because it will change the way that you live. It will change your life. And, and I should never fall back and think, wow, I guess I've been a Christian long enough now that none of those things matter. I could do this, I can do that. No, he's constantly trying to bring us into what? His glory. He says, from glory to glory, I'm changing you. And, and, and yet some of us have just stopped in our growth. And, and we've stopped sometimes just simply with an attitude. I got an attitude, and I'm not going to get rid of that, that attitude. And, and, and yet God's saying, no, I'm trying to pull you because he loves you <laughs> and he's wanting to make you into everything that he created you to be. And I, I even think about the house of God and, you know, do, do you have to be coerced to come to church, you know? If you do, how many know something's missing? Something's missing in your understanding. He, he, he teaches us these things. I love what David says, and we all know David was the one that had God's heart. In Psalms 122 and verse 1, he says, I was glad. I was excited when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. I want to be there. And, 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 and if I, now listen to me, okay. This is highlighted to me as I was preparing this. I, I, I don't want to overdo it here, but I, I want you to get this. If I have to be coerced to go to church, if it just takes a little bit to keep me from the house of God, oh, <clears throat> yep, I felt a cough this morning. Better stay home. If I'm that way, can I just say that you may have a low-grade fever happening? And I don't mean natural. But the Bible says that we can drift away and we can get into this place of a spiritual dullness. It was addressed over and over. He says, I don't want you cold. Uh, I want you either cold or hot, not lukewarm. And so if, if, I'm, if I'm that way about the things of God and the principles of God, honestly, not because I'm telling you this, but it's what the Bible's trying to teach us. If you lose your fervency, something's wrong. You've lost sight of something. And I would say for me, it's when I lose sight of everything that he did for me. When I lose sight that he sent his son to die for me, he pursued me until I finally gave in to him. And his son, and we've seen the passion of Christ, and that's not even, that was, that was a very dramatic, but it was nothing like the real thing. When Jesus went to the cross for us, tell you what, that's why they call it the Passion Week. I always wondered, why the Passion Week? Because he had a passion for you and I. And I think, how do I treat and handle him? You know, is he just an, my buddy Jesus? You know, is, he, is that all he is? Or is he the Christ? And, and, and so if I could just encourage you, just, just look at your heart. Check your heart. Let's look at Psalm chapter 2, verses 4 to 6. He who sits in the heavens shall laugh. Okay, so we just heard what those said. He who sits in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall hold them in derision. And then he shall speak to them in his wrath and distress them in his deep displeasure. Yet I have set my king on my holy hill of Zion. 
You see, and, and this is for what I think we need to understand today is uh, in light of everything that's going on, in light of the rage that was coming in that day that I think we're starting to see in our day against God and his church, his anointed, he sits in the heavens and he just laughs. He's not up there right now wringing his hands and, and saying, oh man, are they going to make it or what? You know, he's not up there worried about things. And, and, and so as we see things rise up around us, the worst thing we can do is begin to get fearful and not hear what he has to say for us to do. And begin to get fearful ourselves and begin to withdraw and begin to, you know, just go by everything that's being said around us. And, 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 and again, it's, it's a point where we begin to understand, man, God's just at ease in all this. He's not threatened. He's not concerned. For him, it's like, if you've ever had a two-year-old, okay, have you ever had a two-year-old or seen a two-year-old throw a temper tantrum? You know what I mean? They just get on the floor and they, you know, they scream and everything. I can remember with our, when ours, you know, none of them did it really. Did they? Okay. Uh, since they're all here. Um, I can remember they would do that and I would just sit back and laugh. And you just get a chuckle out of them. We'll just wait till they get done and okay. You know, but other times when I was holding them because they knew they were going to get, Okay. I can remember that squirming and fighting. I just remember that, holding them there, and I just looked down and like, what in the world? Why are you even doing that? I am going to beat this thing no matter what. It's, it's in reality here, and this is why God's laughing. In reality, it would be like an ant coming up to you right now. You know the little ants are out now and getting your kitchen all of a sudden somehow? It's like one of those little ants getting out right now, getting a megaphone, and saying, I am going to get rid of you. You know, and, and that doesn't even compare with me saying that to God. But that's really what they're saying here. This is what happened. And so God can't help but laugh. You know, he's just like sitting back laughing. And, and, and he goes on and, and, and says, uh, <clears throat> he's going to hold them in derision. He's going to take care of the situation. He's laughing and uh, in Job 41, 29, Job gets to a point where he kind of addresses the issue. He says, darts are regarded as straws, and he laughs at the threat of javelins. And you just read through what Job's going through, and you can see this similar idea here. All of a sudden, it's like, wow, what is man thinking? How does man think he's going to stop God? And I guarantee whenever, throughout history, whenever... Man has tried to overstep the bounds of God's anointed whenever God always stepped in. I thought of the story of when I was younger and we kind of grew up in gangs and stuff, and I can remember one time being in a fight, okay? And it wasn't my dad because he wasn't around, but my older brother. And I'm, I'm winning the fight, okay? I'm winning this fight this time, okay? And all of a sudden, his dad comes out, and he's about ready to jump on me in the middle of me trying to win this fight. And I just remember all of a sudden, my brother appeared, and he was much bigger, and he was able to stop that. And this is kind of what God always has done throughout history. If my people will humble themselves and pray, seek my face, call on me, I will be there. <laughs> Come on, God's the only one that's going to really take care of you when it really matters. 
Okay, I'm not, a, I'm not anti-gun, but when things get really bad, can I just tell you that little gun of yours isn't going to do a lot of good? Especially if they get the keys to that uh, bomb squad car that's down the street in the police station. The, 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 the kind of the rioting, they got this big tank. It looks like a tank. I saw it driving down the road the other day. I was hoping they were just refueling it. But uh, it was like, this is a monstrous thing. And I was inside of it because when we went over there once to, to take some stuff over to the police station, they gave me a tour uh, and, and let me go and see that also. I thought, wow, that's huge, you know. And, and, and so, so there's, God always intervenes for his people when we unfortunately have to turn back to him. So I'm asking you and I, let's turn back to him because we can make a difference for the nations. We are the only ones that can make a difference for the nations. Psalms chapter, uh, so, so he, he goes on to say, uh, yet have I set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. It, it's, it's, uh, I put this down. I think I put it up on the screen. Maybe pull that next slide up. God's anointed is appointed and shall not be disappointed. And this is exactly what he says. You're calling against my anointed. It's not going to work. He's laughing in heaven right now. He's laughing at every enemy against God. But the sad thing is sometimes we start getting fearful and we withdraw and we hide and, and then we suffer the consequences of doing that. Or we're in our sin that we don't want to give up and it weakens us. It's a real thing. It's a real thing. Number three, breakdown of this psalm, chapter two, verses seven and nine, speaks of the reign of the king. Listen to this. I will declare the, dec uh, the decree. The Lord has said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Now get this. We know he's talking about Jesus because you were not begotten. You were created. Only the son of God was begotten. And there is a difference. There is a difference. And we don't have time to go into that, but only my, I, it would be worth the research for you. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. Now listen, let me read that again to you. Okay, I don't fully understand how this looks. I, I, I've been wrapping my head around it. We've talked about it a little bit in our house. You know, what does this really mean? Ask of me and I will give the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. It, it, it almost sounds like maybe we could win. What do you think? I mean, it's, it's, it's just, you shall break them with the rod of iron, and you shall dash them to pieces like the potter's vessel. That won't be us. That will be God, because remember he said... <laughs> the, the battle is his, the victory is yours and mine. Okay, but, but something here about this whole thing, and again, I wish I could tell you the whole thing about it because as I look around, it almost seems like, wow, could we as a church really make a difference? Should we be making a difference? And how can we if we do? Well, he actually tells us there, doesn't he? <laughs> Ask of me. Ask of me. Now think about it, as, 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 you're, as you're considering your prayer times, are you asking him for the nations? Are you asking him really to change things? Because if I only look at the news, 
If I only pay attention to that, if I only see how things seem to be going down and getting worse, and, and believe me, uh, they are so much worse than what you see. I think we all probably realize that. It's so much worse than what we see. I could easily just, <laughs> man, I think I'll just try to be a good Christian the rest of my life and make sure I get to heaven okay. But that's not what we're called to do. We're called to make a difference. I will give you the nations for your inheritance. And again, he says, how do you do this? Ask for it. So maybe just throw in for you real quick here. Can you begin to ask for the nations? Can we begin to ask for the nations when we think about when our prayer time is? God, you said you would give us those nations. And you know, really what you're saying is, God, you, you said that we could open the way for uh, for, for, uh, for, for revival, we sang that this morning, for revival to begin to sweep upon the earth. See, see, our condition is bad and probably worse than it was, but if you read the notes from the 1700s and then in the 1800s, and the, uh, uh, you begin to realize that the earth has been in this condition where we're at before. And when the people finally, uh, people of God, finally decided that they were going to make a difference the right way, okay, the right way, not carrying turn or burn signs, but the right way, then God broke out from the heavens and made a difference, and revival has struck. And I'm believing that that's going to happen again. It seems like any time it's been this bad before, that's what's happened. Now, let's just look at the last few verses here briefly this morning, and we'll wrap it up. Psalms chapter 2, verses 10 and 12. It says, Now, therefore, be wise. O kings, be instructed, you judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the sun. And I highlighted that in my notes here. Kiss the sun, uh, lest he be angry and you perish in the way. And when his wrath is kindled but a little, blessed, and then I like this here because it pulls us into the Gospels, blessed are all those who put their trust in him. Let me close with this. When he says to uh, kiss the sun, you know what he's referencing? He's referencing, and, and, and unfortunately, a lot of believers don't quite get this. He's talking about intimacy. Intimacy, how face-to-face -face are you with God? Or is he just out there? It's just a religion. and It's just, yeah, we go to church and we, we do good things and we're better people and it feels safer in there than out there. But that's not what God's calling us to. He calls you the bride of Christ and he's calling you to a level of intimacy uh, to where, uh, as, as uh, the sons of Issachar would say, I know what's going on around me. And I'm targeting all of my arrows, all of my warfare. Ask, all of my arrows and all of my warfare are targeting the enemy and I'm not missing the mark over and over and making absolutely no difference for this world to be saved. But I'm missing the mark because I have a distant relationship with my God. I'm telling you, if ever it was a time to learn how 
to get face to face with your God, it's now. It's now. Why? So you can hear his whisper. Remember, he's not going to shout at you. But I guarantee I've heard him whisper in my closet times. He begins to speak to my spirit. He begins to awaken me in a fresh way. And church, I'm telling you, you might have to turn the news off a little bit more and read your Bible a little bit more to catch this. And I'm afraid if we don't, as the people of God, do that, we will totally, it'll just keep going over our head. We'll just keep not understanding and just watch everything uh, go to hell in a handbag, I think the old saying used to be or something like that. I mess up those old sayings all the time. Is that an old saying? That's an old saying. All right. All right, hey, listen, let's do this here. Why don't we just pray for a moment? Would you just uh, let me pray for all of us, myself included? And so however you best do that, maybe you close your eyes, maybe you don't have to. I find sometimes closing my eyes does help. Gets me away from distractions, and I don't know, it just seems like the Holy Spirit just begins to settle in. God's laughing in the heavens about what happened, what's happening. Not because he doesn't care. It's he's laughing because they have no way to fulfill their will. He's predestined Jesus Christ to come, and they haven't been able to stop him. And boy, have they tried. Hasn't every generation tried? Hasn't every nation tried? And every nation that has gotten rid of him are suffering the effects of that today. But if we'll we'll keep him (laughs) close... He'll speak to us. He'll give us direction. He'll release the power that he said he would in the book of Acts. And we'll be able to make a difference for the souls of people. So, Father, today, I pray that your word would just, uh, even as you said, it doesn't return void. But it would bounce around inside of each one of us, every one of us being in a different place. But yet your word is strong, powerful, and mighty. And that, Father, we could be, as you've called us, your sons and daughters that know you, hear your voice. You said your sheep would hear your voice. And that, Father, we would begin to uh, make a difference like never before, starting in prayer and then moving out into the world sharing that good news with those that are hungry. In Jesus' name, amen. And can I just tell you, the world is, you may not be in fear, but we were getting some phones the other day at the AT&T store, and there was a gentleman in there. He was, oh, he was about 25, 27 years old, and uh, um, a black gentleman, and we were just there by ourselves with him in the store and finishing up the deal. And when we got done, I just said, hey, listen, can we just take a moment now? I want to talk about something much more important than these phones. And I asked him about his, uh, you know, hey, what church do you go to? And immediately you felt the atmosphere shift. And he looked at me and he said, you know, and I, and I felt it was sincere. Thank you for asking in light of the way that things are going, I've been thinking about that lately. 
and, and it just took an opportunity just to share the gospel with them and the love of God with them. And, 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 and he's, just, uh, he's just down the road. And so I'm going to call him again and, uh, and try to see if he wants to get together. But he said twice, thank you for asking. Because of the way things are, I have really been thinking about that. And I just want to tell you, the world is in fear right now, and God's going to open the door for salvation, but what if nobody says anything? <laughs> what, what if, I, I guess the thought of the parable when Jesus said, you know, if salt, okay, we're called to be salt and light, if salt loses its flavor or savor, it becomes non-essential. I mean, I mean, oh, no good. But if we don't lose it, guess what? We'll get out there and, 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 and make a difference for people that are hungry and hurting and lost. Amen? So if I just challenge you up, look for somebody, okay? Just ask them. They got any spiritual background or what church do they go to? And Man, they take off from there. It'll be an awesome thing.